Good, I don't know if you can remember all the way back to this morning, but uh, what we looked at this morning, we looked at having courage, and if you, if you forgot, John remind us with the song, so it's wonderful. We were, we were challenged to have the courage to be the Joshua and Caleb generation, and I hope that in your, your small group times and your times of hanging out, um, there was just this sense that uh, each one of you were grabbing hold of the destiny that God had given you. And um, I want to build on that uh, this evening and again tomorrow morning. And uh, I just feel that God is saying to you today this. Take the land. Take your Canaan. And uh, I believe that the book of Joshua is, is there. Uh, really, the victories, the defeats, the battles, the book of Joshua is there to equip the church. And Joshua 1.6 says this, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And what I want to do this evening is to look at the words of the Lord God this evening as he commended his chosen leader, Joshua. Now, this is not meant to be a coincidence because you've actually got a new leader and uh, he's just here. I've not done it because of that. But this was a stage where Joshua was the, the, the leader and these words are words of encouragement from God uh, to Joshua as a leader. You know, at face level, Joshua is a very grim book to read. You know, there's, it's all about wars and slaughters and conquests. You know, if we were, if we were looking at modern style films, it would be something like Terminator or, or Iron Man or Hurt Locker, I suppose. Um, I don't know about you, I'm not keen on warfare. In fact, I've got to be honest with you tonight. I love chick flicks. Uh, now, I kid you not, uh, Sandra will be here in the morning. She'll, she'll tell you this. But she'll take me to the cinema and I could be sitting there doing James Bond or Lord of the Rings 1, 2, 3 and I'm off. But you give me Sleepless in Seattle or you've got mail and I, I'm, 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 I'm there the whole time. But Joshua is a book of history. It is, I believe, inspiring scripture, and it does have a specific meaning for us today. And uh, when I say specific meaning for us today, what I'm talking about is a specific meaning for each one of us. You know, the youngest, the oldest, the one who's been the Christian, the longest, the one who's just become a Christian. There is a word there for you, and I believe there's a word for us as a church. So you notice I've, I've changed it from you as a church to us as a church. I'm part of the team now, which is wonderful. This book is a book of new beginning for the people of God. And I believe that there are many of us today, that's what we need uh, almost more than anything. You know, we're in need of a, a new beginning. And, uh, and shut in church, I believe this is uh, the start of a a season of new beginning uh, for you as a church. And uh, I'm very encouraged by that. I've been so encouraged meeting you. But just a quick history lesson going back to this morning. Israel had been in the desert 40 years. 
As I said this morning, I think it should have taken 11 days. And uh, they were about to claim their promised inheritance. The word Canaan literally means lowland. They were about to possess Canaan. And they were to enjoy the blessing of the land. And that's exactly the kind of life that Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is our Joshua you know Joshua and Jesus is the same name it's the same root name you know our Joshua our, our Joshua is Jesus Christ it's the same life that he wants us to live and he wants to lead us into to conquest now and to share with you his wonderful inheritance Paul tells us in Ephesians 1.3, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But so often, I, I find in the church these days, we end up living like spiritual paupers. And that's a tragedy. And yet, look at, the, look at the timing here. Moses, the leader of all leaders, was dead. So often, our dreams die with people or circumstances. But God says to Joshua, you and all these people, you get ready to cross the Jordan into the land. And God has spent many years preparing Joshua for his calling. I can think of at least four things. Firstly, as a slave. He was born into slavery in Egypt. His name Joshua comes from the Hebrew Hoshea, which means salvation. Moses changed it to Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. As I said, it's the Hebrew form of Jesus. As a slave, he would have seen the miracle of the Exodus, the mighty parting of the Red Sea. And he became a man of faith. So the slave became a man of faith. Secondly, he was a soldier. We read of him attacking the Amalekites in Exodus 17. If Moses was a prophet, Joshua was a general. He was a man of great courage. Joshua had faith and Joshua had courage. Thirdly, he was a servant. In Exodus 24, 13, Moses called him his servant. Again, literally, that means his minister. He went with Moses to the mount, was with him when he judged the people for making the golden calf, if you look at Exodus 32. But the secret of his victories was that he was a man of submission. So he was a slave, he was a soldier, he was a servant. We already saw this morning, he was a spy. You notice these are all S's, easy to remember. We know the story, don't we? Twelve went out, ten only saw giants in the land. Two, Joshua and Caleb, saw the land of the giants. They saw opportunity. Joshua was a man of opportunity. And lastly, we've got to find an S, haven't we? He was a successor. Through the journey in the wilderness, God was preparing Joshua. 
In the final message in Deuteronomy 31, Moses told the people that Joshua would defeat the enemies and claim the promised inheritance. Joshua was ready. Oh yes, he made many mistakes like every human leader. But he knew and the people knew that he was God's chosen anointed leader. And I want to say to you tonight that God has called you I mean every one of you God has called you to do something. Others may be better equipped. Look, there are lots of people at my church that could run the church better than I could. I know that. But at the end of the day, God has chosen me. And you might be sitting here tonight and God has said to you, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to step up and take this ministry on. And you say there are are people better at it than me. But if God is calling you, he's choosing you. It's time to step up to that. Before we look at Joshua chapter 1, which is what we're going to look at this evening, let us consider what God was promising the Israelites here. It is significant to the study of this book and the purposes of God for his people, both then and now, that what God was promising this, he was promising a new land, but I believe even more importantly, he was promising them a new life. Shut in church. God has a promise for you. You know, the word land is mentioned 87 times in the book of Joshua. And it's important because it was promised to Abraham in Genesis 12. It was reaffirmed to Isaac, to Jacob and their descendants. And in Moses' farewell speech in Deuteronomy, he frequently mentioned land and the nation's responsibility to possess it. The word land occurs 200 times in the book of Deuteronomy. And the word possess another 50 times. It was a good land. It was a good land in contrast to the monotony and the barrenness of Egypt where they were in captivity. It was also to be Israel's place of rest, inheritance, the dwelling place of God. Ezekiel called it the most beautiful of all lands. Daniel called it the pleasant land, the glorious land. It is frequently referred to as the land flowing with milk and honey. And it was important. The temple would be there in that land. The temple would be at Jerusalem. The Messiah would come out of Bethlehem in Judah. The Lion of Judah from David's line. And Joshua's conquering of the land must be seen in the importance of Israel to the redemption of the world. And of course, this whole subject of the land is becoming pretty much news today as well with the Americans and and the Palestinians talking about this land. But for me, an even greater lesson from Joshua is not the land, but it's the new life that it offers to God's people. We sing some unfortunate songs in church. 
or some, some unfortunate songs out there. I mean, I was watching, I have to tell you, I was watching the England rugby game this afternoon, and England actually won the game, but, you know, it was, I think, in the last three minutes. And the crowd sings, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. You know, but we sing, Guide Me, O Thy Great Jehovah. You know, Land Me Safe on Canaan's Side. But I need to tell you, that land me safe on Canaan's side is not and has nothing to do about passing on to death. You know, we sing these at funerals. I believe that Canaan has everything to do with life. I mean, there'll be no battles in heaven. It has everything to do with how believers can say goodbye to our old life and hello to a rich life of glorious inheritance. And it also tells us how to claim our rest in Christ. And if you want to look more into that, look at the book of Hebrews. And I was really pleased that you had this seminar this afternoon on the Sabbath. Because this Canaan rest is a picture of what Christian believers can expect when we yield all to Christ and we claim our inheritance by faith. And I need to tell you, the leading character in the book of Joshua is not Joshua, but Jehovah, the God of Joshua, the God of Israel. And the question I want to ask us as we approach this tonight is this. Do we see ourselves wandering in the wilderness? Or do we see ourselves conquering our promised land. When it comes to church, are we complainers or are we conquerors? Are we looking back or are we looking forward? Are our lives going to be about delay, defeat and death or are our lives going to be about life, power and victory? Let's read Joshua 1. It's quite a long chunk. If you've got your Bibles, open it to Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, or the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of, this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you 
wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. And only then, I'm sorry, until they too have taken position, uh, possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will also obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command against them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. I want tonight's message to be a message of encouragement. I guess we've all come across different kinds of leaders over the years, both in, in churches, in, in our workplace. Uh, we could probably describe good and bad leaders. I think some of the leaders I've learned the most from over the years have actually been bad leaders. Because actually, if you have a bad leader, sometimes you can actually learn quite a lot for, from why they're bad. But, uh, you know, um, I believe, you know, God's calling on me as a leader particularly, it was to be an encourager. Um, someone said to me, like, you know, what, what is your gift? And I, I, I believe it's encouragement. I, I, I would always say, if, um, if you can only ask for one spiritual gift, um, and of course, as that's hypothetical because you can ask for more than one spiritual gift. But if you could only ask for one spiritual gift, what would you ask for? And I would say, ask for the gift of encouragement. You know, the church worldwide today is, is suffering from a lot of discouragement. You know, and, and uh, so I'm going I'm to be focusing a lot tonight on encouragement. And uh, we see in Joshua 1, there's a, there's a pattern here. That uh, what happens is that God encourages the leaders... The leader encourages the people, and then the people encourage the leader. Sorry, I, let's get this wrong. Around. God encouraged Joshua. Joshua then encouraged the people, and then the people encouraged the leaders. That's the best way to look at it. And I want this to be a model for you as a church. I want you to think about this, because I think, what do you want the church to be known for? And wouldn't it be lovely if every time someone spoke about shut-in church, they said, shut-in church, that is an encouraging church. I think there's no better thing you could ask for. You know, you want to be encouraged, and you want to be an encourager. And whilst I love encouragement from the people of God, what I love most, and the place for me to start tonight is for God 
to encourage me. And we're going to look at Joshua being encouraged by God. And we're going to see that God encouraged Joshua in four ways. He was encouraged by God's commission, by his promises, by his word, and by his instruction. And what I'd like to do is just have a a brief look at each one of these. And firstly, an encouragement from God's commission. Leaders don't lead forever. You know, I'm, uh, I'm sort of pushing 60 now. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't intend to lead forever. And uh, I think one of the things that God said to, to me, especially was, raise up, raise up a future generation. You know, someone said, God buries his workmen, but his work goes on. You know, the, uh, the last seven words of a dying church are, we've always done it this way. That's the last seven words of a dying business as well. We've always done it this way. I don't think you'd ever hear that at Apple Computers. I believe that the future of your church is better than the present. That's not in any way knocking the present, but it is a promise that the future of your church, my church, the church is better than the present. But you know the first thing that wise leaders don't do is that wise leaders do not completely abandon the past. You know, Moses is mentioned 57 times in the book of Joshua. Joshua gave Moses great honor. But, make no bones about it. Joshua was the leader. Moses, my servant, is dead. You. There was no point in the Israelites saying, Moses did it this way. We hear a lot of that in churches. So and so, the, the last leader did it this way. God chose a man and he gave him the power. And I want you to remember this, you have a wonderful opportunity with a, with a new leader. That God has chosen the man. God has given him the power. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, not literally dead, okay? Right. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, you. Moses was dead. Joshua needed to get the job done. So there was encouragement from God's commission. Secondly, there was encouragement from God's promises. God gave Joshua three specific promises. You know, God could have sent an angel to do these tasks. God could send an angel to do what he's asked you to do. He's capable of that. But he doesn't. It always worries me that, um, you know, Jesus had only one plan for the salvation of mankind, that was the church. He didn't have a plan B. 
I always thought that was a high risk. And notice, he didn't tell Joshua how he would do it. And the first thing I want to say to you today is we live on promises and not on explanations. When we trust God, when we step out in faith, God will tell us what to do and when to do it. And if you're sitting here tonight and you're sitting on a promise of God, if you're sitting on a word of God, He's told you to do something and you're sitting there waiting for Him to tell you how to do it, He ain't going to do it. Step out. There are a lot of Christians standing on the seashore waiting for the sea to come in. And it ain't coming in. When God is saying, put your foot in the water. So the first promise was this. In verse 3. You will enter the land. I want to read it again. I will give you every place where you will set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. God had already given them the land. His first words to Abraham, Genesis 12, to his last words to Moses, Deuteronomy 34, they were to step out with faith and enter the land. Church, I believe that you have an open door. No one can close it. Only you. I want to encourage you to walk through the door that God has opened for you. You know it's impossible to stand still in Christian service. It's impossible to stand still in Christian life. When you stand still, you immediately start going backwards. There is no neutral gear in the car for Christians. It's only forward and reverse. If you're not in forward, you're in reverse. Promise number two. You will defeat the enemy. Verse 5 says, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will never leave you and never forsake you. No one will be able to stand against you. God had promised Israel, obey the Lord and you will defeat the enemies. You know, we spoke this morning about our giants. And we will have giants. I have giants. My church has giants. But God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That means that you can move forward with assurance. If God is for us, who can be against us? And promise number three, I will give you the land as an inheritance. Be strong and courageous because you will lead those people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. That is the strong assurance that the enemy would be defeated and his people would possess the land. I want to go now right almost to the end of the book of Joshua because if we read the book of Joshua, we can see that it was a book of fulfillment. 
Joshua 23:14 says, Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Basically, he was getting ready to die. And he said, You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Church, the application is it's very simple here. He promises, He delivers. Full stop. Now, I want to comment here a little bit because there, there is a balance here. Because I believe as we move forward, there is God's promises and there is our part. And we have to have both. Because if you're going to get God's promises and you're going to stay in bed all day, waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled, it won't happen. But if we're going to try and do our part and try and make it happen in our own strength, it might work for a while, but it will fall down. We need God's promises and our part. Let's move on. Third one is the encouragement from God's words. Be strong and courageous. Easy words to say. They slip off the tongue. The worst experience of my life was when I jumped out of a plane in a parachute. Has anyone ever done it, by the way? Crazy. I did it once. Did you do it more than once? No. Uh, more than once. I was in this little Cessna and with 2,500 feet, four of us in there and the door was open and he said to me, get on the wing. He said, jump! I froze. He said, no movement. He said, jump! And he was just going to push me. And also, I was out. It was, it was one where the parachute opened automatically. Thank goodness for that. But, of course, I realized that um, by that stage, I had no chance of finishing in the, in the drop zone because I was way out. And it was in England. I thought for a while I was going to land on the A303. That would have been great news headlines. I actually uh, landed in a cornfield did my, did my back in, and uh, I can't tell you what critique he gave you, because there was a swear word on there, but it was, the last four words were up, <laughs> beyond all recognition, you can guess what the first word was. Be strong and courageous. Very easy for us to say. But Joshua's strength and courage came from meditating on God's word. He had the Torah. He had the Genesis through Deuteronomy as we know them today. It was the greatest legacy that Moses could leave his successor. He didn't say read it. This was the law, not Harry Potter. He said obey it. He said meditate on it day and night. Meditate means to mutter. And it was a Jewish practice. 
at that time that they would read aloud to themselves and to each other. That's where that mutter came from. Seminary students are told, if you don't talk to your Bible, the Bible isn't ready to talk to you. But you know, the world that we live in, it teaches a different thing. It teaches a different gospel. The world we live in teaches us prosperity. That's what you've got to aim for. The world we live in talks about success. Why anybody would ever pay money to go on something called life dynamics, I've got no idea. But you know, in the life of a believer, we don't measure our success by dollars by position, by our degrees, by our achievements, but against a life devoted to God and His Word. I don't believe you're looking to build a successful ministry. I'm certainly not. I certainly don't want to build a mega church. And when people say nice things about your church, that's good. But the question is, are we being faithful to his word and to his calling? That's the important thing. The last thing was he got encouragement from God's commandment in verse 9. Warren Wisby says that uh, God's commandments are still God's enablement for those who obey him in faith. The angel Gabriel said to Mary with God, Nothing is impossible. That word is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. God speaks a word of power. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua would have his moments, all right. But when he was terrified... When he was discouraged, he would recall God's command and take new courage. He had a mandate to carry, God, to carry on God's will. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. I want to sing again, it's great. <laughs> Let's move on and look at Joshua encouraging his people. I think it might be a good idea before we look at what Joshua did say to his leaders to see what he didn't say. Notice he didn't say, prepare the boats to cross the Jordan. Just verse 15, he said, tell the people to get the supplies ready. He basically said, fill an esky with the drink and prepare the packed lunch. In three days, we're crossing the Jordan and we're taking possession of the land. You know, in life, there are times for democracy. There's time for feedback. There's time for consensus. But this was not one of them. God had spoken. Time to obey. Forty years ago, they had a similar opportunity, but instead of believing Joshua and Caleb, they chose to believe the minority report of the ten spies. I'm sure there's a place for church committees. I'm not knocking your church committee. I'm sure it's great. But church committees must never be a substitute for the commandment of God. 
Joshua didn't try and work it out. He knew that God who parted the Red Sea could also open the Jordan. We'll be looking at it in the morning. He and Caleb, and wasn't it tragic that only he and Caleb, of all the adults, were present at this almighty miracle? They had been present when God delivered the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. And the key for us here is this, is you have a task ahead of you. But you can stand here tonight and you can say, pack your things, get ready to take the land, get ready to take your Canaan. Why? Because of what God has done for you in the past. As I said this morning, I've known this church for a long time. I've seen that God has been faithful to you. God has been so faithful to you as a church in the past. We can praise His faithfulness. And I want to tell you this, that God's faithfulness in the past is your deposit for promises in the future. I'll say that again, it's very important. God's faithfulness in the past is your promise for the is your deposit for promises in the future. You know, I've seen so many Red Seas in my years. You know, I told you this morning, we had, we had 40 people, no pastor and no money. That I can say to you today, you shall pass over. You shall possess the land. The Lord will give it to you. Joshua had given a similar speech 40 years earlier. That generation had said, over my dead body. You've got to be very careful what you say. Many a true word spoken. There are a lot of people in a lot of churches in a lot of countries who are saying, over my dead body. They've got to be very, very careful. You know, one of the things in old age, we become a little bit set in our ways. We become creatures of habit. You know, we like to go to the same restaurant, order the same food. It doesn't have to be that way. It isn't a matter of age. Joshua and Caleb were the oldest in the camp but they were the most enthusiastic. And I need to tell you, at 58 years of age, I'm the most enthusiastic person in my church. It's good. It isn't a matter of age. It's a matter of faith. I just want to spend a minute or two looking at the two and a half tribes who were to live outside the promised land. We need to to just... Because Joshua had a special word for them. He, he reminded them of Moses' instruction, the warning to them. He reminded them of their commitment to the greater cause. He said, you can have your land, but come here and help us fight. He wanted Israel to be united in conquering Canaan. And that is equally the prayer of any 21st century pastor. The prayer of your pastor would be that my people would be united. That not only if God isn't going, we're not going. But if we ain't going together, we ain't going. We want to go together. It was a concession that Moses allowed them to live east of Jordan. Numbers 32 told us they they liked it there. As it was good for their cattle. Their first concern 
was making a living rather than making a life. Big danger there for Hong Kong. There are so many people in this city who are so busy making a living they've forgotten how to make a life. They preferred the big flocks and the herds to living in the promised land with their brothers and sisters. I believe they represent to us Christians today who live close to God's inheritance. They seem successful on the surface, often in worldly terms, but they never quite claim it. Can I say to you today, don't be one of them. Don't be one of these people who served God and his people for a while, but are ready to head home when it suits them. For some of us, this may mean a call to say, look, I'm going to stay in Hong Kong. I'm going to stay here and be part of what God's going to be doing here. But irrespective of whether it's Hong Kong or Timbuktu, I want to encourage you today to enter into the fullness of of your inheritance. And the end of the chapter, we're getting there, sees the people encouraging Joshua. You know, I have to say, every leader needs encouragement. You know, I had one guy in the church, really, you know, I used to preach a sermon and it's not that you want people to say, well, look, that was a good word to make you feel better, but it's an encouragement. But this guy, every week, used to tell me what I'd missed. <laughs> you know, what you should have said was, oh, oh, Jeff, please, come on. He's not in the church anymore. I believe this is an encouraging church. You know, be an encouraging church. And they, they encouraged Joshua in four ways. And I want to go through them quickly. Firstly, they would obey him. Oh, that's a dis- dirty word these days. Obey. We've taken out of the wedding service. <laughs> and uh, we're sort of taking out of churches in reaction to controlling heavy-handed leaders. And there's a trend in the church today to shun accountability. I am a strong believer of accountability in a church. You know, and what we're growing in churches today are these lone rangers. They want to do as I want. They come up to me and say, "Uh, Pastor, God told me to do this. I'm I'm just obeying him. I say, well, God didn't tell me. (laughs) You know, and, you know, there's a famous pastor, I'm trying to think which one it was now, but he allows um, Mike Bickle uh, at IHOP, he allows his people three God told me's in a year. <laughs> you know, he said you can use it three times once you've gone past that. But you know, uh, I used to have people that uh, you know, would use it three times in half an hour. You know, The church needs those who are willing to encourage their leaders. What it says here is they said to to Joshua, what you say we will say, where you send we will go. 
no ifs and buts. You know, you know the difference between the sheep and the goats, don't you? The sheep say yes. The goats say yes, but. <laughs> they encourage Joshua. Secondly, they encourage him by praying for him. Verse 17, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. The best thing that we can do for those who lead us is to pray for them daily and to ask God to be with them. Someone said, no Christian worker succeeds to the glory of God apart from prayer. Corrie Ten Boom asked the pointed question, is prayer your steering wheel? Or just your spare tire. Without prayer, your leaders will fail. Pray for your leaders. And pray for them often. The third way they encouraged was by obeying. They encouraged Joshua by assuring him that obedience was a matter of life and death. And what if you read on the book of Joshua, you'll see that later on in, in Joshua 7 with Achan. But if we saw obedience to God today as a matter of life and death, it would make a massive difference to our world. Our brothers and sisters in, in the mainland China, many of them, see obedience to God as a matter of life and death. And look at what God is doing with the church there. Don't obey his orders when you feel like it. When it's convenient. Or when there's something in it for you. Like Jack Soul, you know, something in it for you. If Joshua's men had been like that, he would never have conquered the promised land. And lastly, they encouraged him by reminding him of the word of God. Be strong and courageous. Interesting words. They were Moses' words to Joshua as he sent the spies into Canaan. They were Moses' words to Joshua as he installed him as his successor. They are mentioned four times in this chapter. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I need to ask this evening as I close. Do we, want to win, do we want to win the battle? I mean, really. Do we really want to win the battle? Do we want to claim our inheritance? Then firstly, let God encourage us. And then let's encourage others. I want to finish by asking us to stand together and the band to come back. And we're going to read together, I'm going to put them on the screen, the words that Moses spoke over Joshua and the other spies. So can we just all stand? And I'm going to, just going to pray in conclusion. In fact, as you read this, read this to each other. Okay. If you can look at the screen and look at... It's helpful to be a little bit cross-eyed here, right? You, know, you can look at the screen. Look, but we're not reading this to God, right? 
We're reading this to each other. We're encouraging each other. We're being encouragers. Okay, one, two, three, let's go. See the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be encouraged. Let's do it one more time. See the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Father God, we thank you uh, that you have been here tonight to encourage us. I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged by you and in turn, Lord, that we would encourage each other. We pray for those in leadership in this church and we just pray tonight, Lord, that maybe there are people here who have been doing leadership for so long they're almost thinking about giving up. I just pray you would encourage them tonight, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us now as we prepare to worship you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come amongst us and to fill us afresh. Lord, we need you. We need you. We need your strength. We need your power. We need your courage. Lord, would you fill us once again, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.